If you're enjoying this podcast, please leave us a review and tap the follow button so that you never miss an episode. Hey, hey, welcome back, everybody, to another Monday, the best night of the week. And you know what that means. It's time for another episode of RFRX. I'm your host, I'm Kara, and I am here with the fabulous, fearless psychic, Helen Green. Helen, how are you doing? Good. How are you doing, my friend, Kara? I am doing well. Glad to be here, as always. It makes Monday the best night of the week, as I said. For sure. Yeah. Did you do anything good for the long weekend? Did you have a long weekend? It was Veterans Day this week, wasn't it? Yes, but no. I worked I worked Friday. Uh, fair <laughs> and enough. And then... Um, <laughs> We did our we did the RFR, RFR fundraiser on Saturday, which I'll talk a little bit more about later. And yesterday was um, do stuff around my house day. So I, w- I wanted to play a video game yesterday, but that did not happen. How was your weekend? Did you have a long weekend? I did have a long, but I also did a lot of work over it. So it wasn't, it was also not a computer game weekend for me, yeah. although I'm really looking forward to doing some gaming because I got a new laptop recently that I'm Ooh. pretty pumped about. So that's we'll exciting. See. Yeah. Some, some civilization is going to be happening in my near future. So my I'll, friend I'll just it. got really into that game and they said it was awesome. So I, ha- I haven't played it since it was like on the PS2. So it's been a, it's been a long minute. <laughs> so. yes. Oh, it's so good. It, it will take over your life if you let it, but you know, don't oh, let it. There's, there's worse things that could take over your life, like heroin. So that's true. <laughs> yes. <laughs> or unsubstantiated woo belief. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> which we'll get into later. Exactly. So let me introduce my friend Kelly Laughlin. Kelly left Christianity as a teenager and explored a bunch of different religions and ended up believing in a lot of woo. I hear you on that. <laughs> so he started a field collecting and making jewelry in his early 20s and later started his own business, which he has now been at for 40 years. He went back to college to take a few geology classes so he could answer questions about crystals. And the more he studied the science behind it, the more he became intrigued. Kelly has since co-authored several geology papers, some of them peer-reviewed. He is a regular host of the on the atheist community of Austin Show, the nonprofits, and volunteers as moderator on the ACE, atheist community of Discord, where he also hosts Meet the ACA and the AC After Shows. Welcome, Kelly. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. We are so excited to have you on. Yes. I am super <laughs> pumped about this. <laughs> oh. Tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you get started doing all of these cool things? Um, I I first got interested in rocks as a little kid. I don't know really what drew me into it. I just thought they were really cool. And one day I walked down the street and I took a rock out of everybody's driveway. And it was all the same kind of rock. It was all just a piece of limestone. But they were all different because they were from each person's driveway. And that was my first rock collection. And I brought that home. I think my mom threw it out two days later. Maybe it was three, but that's how, but that's basically how I got started collecting rocks. And then it just, from there, it kind of became like an addiction and it got worse and worse as I grew older until I'm at a point now where I probably have, and I'm not lying about three tons worth of rocks. So, wow. And I see some of them are behind you there. 
Yeah, I'm in my office right now. So this is my back wall in my office. I love that. I'm, I'm hoping that we get to do some show and tell later and you'll show us some of your, your favorite ones. Sure, sure. But yeah, well, before we get to that, though, can you tell us a little bit about your journey? How did you go from, I'm assuming when you first did your first rock collection, were you religious at that time? Were you living at home with a religious family? Um, I was, I was young, um, very young. And uh, my stepfather made sure we all had a good religious background. And I went to, to a Lutheran uh, church every week. And I went to Sunday school, I went to Bible school on the, uh, during the uh, Christmas or summer breaks at school. So yeah, I really had a, a really pretty heavily steep Lutheran upbringing. Interesting. Okay. So it wasn't now, now was it, I'm not as familiar with Lutheran. My background is more Southern Baptist. And I know in, in a lot of the, the schools and, and churches that we followed, if you were to be interested in something like geology and rocks, that might be problematic if you were finding things that were say older than 6,000 years old and suggesting that it was not a, a young earth. Did mm -hmm. that ever uh, come up for you? And that wasn't a problem with me because um, I don't think the Lutherans have a problem with the with the old earth idea. At least the people at my church didn't have that problem. And if they did, it was never brought up with me. Um, so I still remember all those, those Christian hymns, though, Onward Christian Soldiers, even though, I mean, that was so many years ago, but they, they locked that stuff in your head. You're so indoctrinated into it. So. But yeah, um, I know, but I never did have the anti-science problem. Uh, people have told me that the Lutheran church is, has become more that way in the, in the present, but it wasn't something I experienced. And I always yeah. say it was sort of like Catholic light. We still had communion, but we didn't have to do the, the cross and we didn't have to keep getting up and down and getting on our knees during mass. So Fair enough. At least it's, you know, a little, little easier to get through the service, I guess. Yeah, it's easier on your knees, definitely. <laughs> At least there's that. Yeah. Well, so what happened? Um, you were you were happily going along, going to the, the Catholic light service. It, it wasn't it wasn't too hard on you. Uh, how how'd you end up here? What? Um, well, um, my stepfather was the one that made sure I went to church and he, I had some other problems with him. He was very physically abusive. So he was a really negative part of my life. And he and my mother were divorced when I was about 14 years old. And my mother was, she was a single mom, five kids trying to just raise us and getting us to church early Sunday morning was not something that became important to her anymore. So when I stopped going to church and I, in, in all honesty, church was part of the thing that I associated with this really negative thing in my life. So um, I wasn't real excited to keep going. And the more I didn't go around it and the more I thought about it, the more I realized that, you know, it's, it just seems like all BS. Um, I would, I would had really gotten into Greek and Norse mythology and, you know, I'm a, I'm a 10 year old kid going, wow, what happened to these gods? Everybody believed in them. You know, how did that happen? And then I realized, well, this Christian God is the same thing. It's just how, how, why do people still believe in that? 
So, it, so I kind of got pushed out of Christianity by the time I was 15, I was pretty much done with it. So. Well, interesting. And so was that around the same time that you started developing an interest in some of these other philosophies, like you mentioned, new age philosophy? Yeah, I kind of started out looking at um, Eastern religions, at Buddhism, at um, Taoism, at, and put together Zen. And I got really interested in that. And a lot of the a lot of the woo stuff you find in new age philosophy, I always say new, new age is one word, new age, so it rhymes with sewage. <laughs> I'm going right. to use that now. <laughs> new age, I love it. <laughs> but you'll, you'll find a lot of new age ideas come from, uh, are pulled from this Eastern mysticism. So it, it's kind of an easy, it's an easy bridge to go from that into full woo, you know, so... <laughs> You know, and I hear this a lot from people um, that we talk to uh, in RFR and just in general, where where they say, you know, similar to the the poll question that you asked at the beginning, uh, you know, they they went from one religious belief and just kind of stepped over into a whole bunch of different ones. Mm -hmm. What do you think was was behind that for you? What made that attractive to you? I think that when I was younger. I was looking for something and I'm not sure what that thing was, but I was looking for some fulfillment in my life. I was going to find the key. It was all going to fall into place. Oh, excuse me. It was all going to fall. I just did it again too. It was all going to fall into place for me. And, um, you know, I was, I was looking for that, that enlightenment. Right. And, um, that was, that's what kept me searching for, for something. And, I don't know that that's really a thing in enlightenment. I still don't know that that's a thing. So, but I got tired of looking for it and I'm just happy with who I am and where I am. So <laughs> I, like, I, I would say like, I was looking for the rainbow connection and I, I haven't found it yet. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> and I, I don't know if you ever do, I think, but part of it is that I just keep learning as I go along. And, you know, that's one of the joys of living. <laughs> it, I, there's kind of a woo saying among Buddhism, like that, and the search of enlightenment, when you first start out, mountains are mountains and rivers are rivers. And as you go along, mountains are no longer mountains and rivers are no longer mountains. And when we, you become fully enlightened, mountains are mountains again and rivers are rivers again. And I kind of feel like that's where I've gotten to, where I've gotten back to the point where, reality is it. You know, there's really nothing beyond reality. Hello, my name is Dr. Kayla Black, and I'm a clinical psychologist, professor, author, and the director of the Secular Therapy Project. In case you aren't familiar with it, the Secular Therapy Project is a program of recovering from religion that aims to help secular, non-religious people find good mental health care. Specifically, we screen our therapists to make sure that they are appropriately licensed, use the most evidence-based types of therapy, and that they are secular and non-religious themselves. This helps ensure that science and reason are what guides your therapist, not personal religious beliefs. If you'd like to learn more, or to look for a mental health professional yourself, or if you'd like to apply to be one of our therapists, please visit us online at seculartherapy.org. 
and you don't feel like you need to keep searching for something beyond that now? No, I don't think so. I don't think there is anything more. I honestly don't. Um, I think that if I was searching for a purpose in life or something that was going to bring me uh, fulfillment, I think I found it by stopping looking for it and being happy with who I am and having fun with my life and trying to make the world a better place than I when I leave it than I found it in. So I like that a lot. That is very so, cool. I, I'm going to, um, there is a question in char chat that is related to this. So mm -hmm. um, I, hold on, let me make sure I ask it correctly. Um, was, was there any last thing that led to you, um, listen it again, that led you to, th to the conclusion that you don't think there is anything more? <laughs> um. I think it was, I think it was just realizing that I was always looking for something else to make me happy. And it wasn't outside of myself, it was inside myself, right? And, and I know that kind of sounds wooey in and of itself, it kind of sounds cliche, but it, it was true. And a lot of, and I, one of the things that really, really helped me do it was, um, I settled down and had a couple of kids and my kids helped me, you know, really fulfill my life. Honestly, it made me, they made me happier than anything else that ever made me, made me in my life before them. So, and I know that's not true for everybody, but it, it worked for me. And I, and I had been dealing with PTSD a lot. I had been dealing with uh, a lot of depression. Um, I had been steeped in drugs and alcohol. I was in a really bad place and all of that changed, like my whole life changed at a certain, just like that when my kids were born. So. Wow. That's such a nice story. I'm, I don't have yeah. kids myself, but um, it's, it's really nice to hear that that was your experience and that you were able to, I, I, I feel made, like. I it made me get my life together because I had such a horrible childhood mm -hmm. and I didn't want, and I wanted to break that cycle. It was really, really, really important to me to break that cycle. So that became my purpose in life was to break that cycle and make sure that my kids had a really good upbringing. Oh, I love that. Thank you for putting in the effort to yeah. <laughs> raise your kids and pay attention to them. That is really, you know, I, I feel like that's one of those things we shouldn't have to congratulate people for, but, you know, as you experienced and a lot of people experience it, it's not always what happens. Yeah, it's not always easy. It's one of the things that I took advantage of that I don't think most parents do is they have a really, really short attention span. And you can really use that to your advantage. So and I see parents that don't use it. It just drives me crazy. Oh, tell me more. How do you use this? I, I need to know these strategies. Uh, you know, if, they, if they're throwing a temper tantrum, you know, just show them the shiny thing over here. And all of a sudden they totally <laughs> forget about the, the temper tantrum. I, it, it was something I used continuously with my kids as they were growing up and it worked great. So I would, I, my kids would start throwing a tantrum and I would walk away, like, especially in a store, I'd be like, I don't know whose kid that is. And I would, yeah. <laughs> I would just keep walking. <laughs> my kid, be, like they would stop and stare at me. Like, why is she reacting? <laughs> That's great. Oh, I love someone saying that strategy works with adults too. It, that, yeah. it will work with many adults. Yes, it will. Yes, it will. And I'll be honest, I outright lied to my kids about a few things like um, my my daughter once saw a picture of me in a military uniform because I was in the army when I was younger. 
And yeah. she asked me if I was had been in the war. And I was like, yes, I was. And you know, here's the thing because of all those loud explosions and stuff, it messed up my ears. So I'm kind of <laughs> deaf to loud noises now. So I don't hear things when it's really loud. And then the next time she was yelling, she came in and started yelling at me. And I went, what? <laughs> what? And she calmed down and started talking in a normal voice so I could hear her. You know, so and that and that worked for like three years until she finally figured it out. Love that. That is very clever. I I I admire your trickery. <laughs> like your like autobiography you know, needs to be titled, you know, three years of peace and calm. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's it's just being a creative parent you can solve a lot of your problems just by being creative really that is excellent advice i i'm really glad i didn't know you were going to talk about parenting but i'm i didn't know either (laughs) (laughs) wait you mean you're not psychic oh wait that's a different no that's that's me (laughs) how did you not know i I don't know my my sinos got crossed I sorry, yeah, I didn't imagine. I didn't sacrifice the goat this week, so <laughs> you know we have to sacrifice something every week. I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> but I'm lazy. You know, um, <laughs> mentioning the uh the shiny things working on adults, I'm ADD and I am completely surrounded by shiny things, and there's mm. days I get nothing done. It's just it's just I just go from one shiny thing to another. So yeah, it definitely works on adults too. So, um, so getting, a, let's get, you know, I'm, tr- I'm steering the train back on track now. <laughs> okay, sure. So, um, so when you started moving out of like fundamentalist religion and started exploring like these alternative spiritualities and stuff like mm-hmm. that, like what, a, what did you start set, setting and what attracted you to them? Um, one of them, I, I, I really got attracted into Taoism first that was like my first step and I think what I really liked about it was the openness um I liked the idea that there was no god involved in it because I was really soured on this idea of a god because I to me it seemed like a made-up concept because of the Greek and and Norse gods just disappearing right so that really attracted me and there was this this idea that there was this underlying force that really wasn't steering everything but was making everything work out okay anyway so just go with the flow man and it seemed like a great way to run my life you know and it it really especially because my life had been so hectic and um, chaotic and stressful up to that point it just seemed like such a relaxing way to look at the world and in such a different way so I think that was like my big attraction in the beginning but then it, you moved on from there, right? You tried on a, a few different philosophies, right? Yeah, from there I got into Buddhism and looking at, you know, thinking about going to uh, hitting Nirvana, and and I, I used to tell my friends all the time, "Hey, we can't we can't get there unless we all go together," you know. So I was totally steeped in it, you know. But um, and then I moved on to like the the culmination of the two with Zen Buddhism, which is so really cool in many ways but when you really look at it it's just a bunch of deepities for the most part <laughs> but you know but i thought it was so cool back then so yeah yeah now someone's asking in the chat um what made you move on from taoism uh was oh. it just you wanted more or? yeah i don't know it just wasn't yeah it just wasn't 
it wasn't doing it for me, right? I had I wasn't finding my enlightenment yet. So I so I wanted to move on and learn more stuff. So I like I said, it moved me into into Buddhism, and then of course you hop across the. Well, you don't have to because Zen is is in China too. So just call it Chen instead of Zen, right? But um, yeah, and I I I really really found some. Uh, stability, I guess, something, I found something in Zen, I really got caught up in it for a long time. But again, like I said, it's really just, it really is just woo. If you, if you really look at it, it's nothing more than woo itself. And, and as I said before, a lot of those concepts that are in newage woo come out of these Eastern ideals, right? So mm. yeah, and that, and, was, um, that was why it was easy for me to transition into the crystal healing power and Wiccan and, and paganism. So so, and just for the chat, for anybody that's not familiar, I mean, we've been using the term woo-woo. I think it's kind of a pretty common knowledge word, but how do you define that? What is something that, that you would classify as a, a woo-y kind of belief? Um, the idea that, well, that Taoist idea of this underlying energy that's running everything, I think that's pretty woo-y. Um, there's a, what's really um, prevalent in the, uh, world that when this world today is this pseudo quantum physics, right? And if that's really that's really wooey, the idea that there's some kind of energy that we can't measure but still affects our bodies and our minds, that's that to me is really wooey. Um, now these just unsubstantiated claims about energies, right. and forces, and powers. Right. And we've had claims described. like that going on forever. Right. I mean, we uh, back thousands of years. So but mm -hmm. it's and it's just still keeps going. And we've just modernized it with different names. And now we make machines to gather up the energy and stuff. It's goofy. But yeah. yeah. I mean, it started off with the animism and then just kind of evolved as people evolved mm -hmm. and things like that, you know, so but like, you know, you and I have both been on that path, you know, moving from one set of silly rules to another set of silly rules. Right, right, <laughs> so. right, right. Well, yeah, and I, I wanted to mention that y'all y'all both have a, uh, a commonality there with uh, dipping your toes into the waters of uh, paganism, right? Yeah, right, right. Yep. And, and I know, and, let's talk about that here. Tell and I've gotten, I was really attracted because like I said, I was like, I was dealing with this PTSD and this depression thing. So I was, I was, I was really into drugs and liquor and I'll tell you, pagans do throw better parties. So I was like right on boy, right. Helen will agree with me. I oh yeah. Right best parties. You want to go to a good party, go to a pagan party. Yeah. I was right on board with the whole thing. So, and it, that was a big attraction for me. And I, at this point I realized that really I'm not doing, I'm not here to do anything, but have fun. So that was all I was doing was just having fun. I mean, Un you know, unfortunately, that's... you got to still live life. You can't just have fun. And I was that's all I was doing was having fun. So and it was all part of like me trying to me running away from my problem that was causing a PTSD that I had to solve later in life. But and 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 this and it might be why I kept bouncing around through all these ideas, too, because I was looking for something to help me deal with that as well so well that makes a lot of sense to me i mean you know we we try to turn to whatever we can to you know, self-medicate or uh, maybe that mm -hmm. might not be the right term for these kind of beliefs but you know 
we're looking no, for it ways is. to solve our problems and I yeah. think oh, it is. It's just that the medication isn't real medication, right? It's yeah. self-pseudo-medicating, right? Yeah. And that's that's where a lot of your crystal, your crystal energy comes from, is that pseudoscience and people who have had problems, a lot of times emotional or mental problems, and they're not getting the help they need from the medical community. So they're willing to turn to something, anything, right? Yeah. Or they have some kind of condition that's un untreatable. Like, yes. like I, I have a, like, I have a rare bladder condition. It's untreatable. I just have to live with it. And, mm -hmm. but there are people would have the same kind of thing and think that, oh, just because medicine can't treat it, maybe this crystal can. And, you know, I've been told that people believe this, uh, this stuff for a thousand years or 5,000 years. So there must be something behind it. Right. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I can absolutely understand that. I'm so glad you brought that up because, you know, we, we tend to rely on, okay, well, let's go to the doctor. Let's get, you know, whatever Western, you know, scientific medical solutions to our problems, but we don't necessarily have a way to cure or treat every illness that exists. And if you happen to have something that, that isn't helped by the medicine that's available, you know, what is one to do? I can see how it would be very easy to be desperately searching for something and, and want to hope, well, maybe this will fix it because what else is there? Mm -hmm. yeah. and, and a lot with the pagan community and those other like new agey kind of communities, is, there's this idea that you can, everything is just energy. And if you clear the energy and make it flow better, it somehow your ailment will get better, mm -hmm. you know, and it's very placebo. Um, and mm -hmm. like, and I do agree that like meditate, certain forms of meditation and relaxation does help because a stressed out mind is not good when you're trying to heal. But <laughs> my big, but is that that is still not going to like if you have cancer or a bare bladder problem like Kelly has or ADHD like I have or nerve issues like I have, no amount of calmness <laughs> is going to cure those things. But in those right. woo-woo communities and the pagan communities and stuff, things that you can do a spell or whatever, and mm -hmm. you know, eventually you will heal or it will be easier or whatever. And it's just a bunch of BS. One more step. Yeah. Well, and it's like we've talked about before with, you know, the psychic mediums from a few weeks ago. It's, yeah. you know, if you know your audience is desperate for an answer, it's real easy to sell them garbage because mm -hmm. they, they want to believe you. Right. And is and that, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. You... Oh, I was just going to ask if that was kind of to do with how you got into the crystals and everything. Is that a, a healing energy kind of belief it, system? Well, they, they claim it is. Yes. Yeah. And it, um, my, who, well, the woman that was to become my future ex-wife, um, she really, really believed in the healing powers of the crystals. So she kind of dragged me into it. And we're talking like uh, early 1980s at this point. And honestly, the whole crystal healing movement was just getting its legs at that point and as i recall there was like three books you could go out and buy to tell you about the crystal energy and you could look up the same mineral in all three books and they would have three different things that they were going to heal for you right they hadn't like standardized it yet 
And a few years later in the 90s, the Crystal Bible came out and everybody started copying off of that. So it kind of like all these cures became standardized after that. But before that, it depended on what book or what, what each rock was going to cure. So it was kind of, it was, that was, that kind of got me wondering in and of itself to begin with. Right. Mm-hmm. And that, that kind of set me on the path of maybe what I'm believing here isn't real. So, yeah. So were there like several other steps that you went through that kind of brought that to your attention as you went along more inconsistencies yeah. or yeah. instances? That, that's what really got me started wondering about it. Um, I'm also starting to learn about the science behind the rocks. And I'm, as I'm learning the science behind the rocks, I'm realizing that a lot of this stuff that they're claiming just can't be true. It just can't be, right? Like a, a rock being able to suck up EMF waves. I mean, that's that can't be true, can it? No, it and, can't. And what are EMF waves? Electro, uh, electro, electromagnetic frequencies or something. I'm not sure, but you're, supposedly your computer gives them off and it's really bad for you. So if you get a piece of shungite, which is basically, which is really just coal, it's very, very, very pure coal. So if you get a piece of shungite and you put it between your computer and you, when you're on the computer, it'll suck up all these EMF waves. And so you don't have to worry about them getting into your body and doing something. I don't know what they're even going to do to you. Electromagnetic <laughs> but how convenient. That, you Thank you. Yeah. Convenient so, that setting a rock out will will solve the invisible problem that you didn't know you had. Yeah, right, right, exactly. And we're going to charge you twenty bucks for a rock that's worth three dollars. So yeah, so what a where, steal. Where do yeah. you think, like, from what you've studied and um, you know, being part of the you know that community, you know, in the past, where do you, where do you think those ideas came from that stones could, you know, heal, heal like an upset stomach or something? It, it came from uh, pareidolia. When people mm-hmm. saw a rock that looked like a part of the body, they got the idea that that rock would be good for that part of the body, right? Mm-hmm. They did the same things with plants. They, you know, if they saw a leaf that looked like a heart, then obviously it was good for your heart hematite if you rubbed it on something and got the dust off of it it turned red just like if you broke a human skin it would turn red so it's obviously good for your blood right it's also kind of like rounded like a kidney is so it's got to be good for your kidney too because it looks like a kidney so these ideas did start back then um not all rocks were thought to heal something just a few of them were one of them that was not known to heal people back then, 3,000 years ago, were, were quartz crystals. Nobody ever believed that until like the 1970s. So, oh, and, and oh, I've tried to explain it. If you look, if you actually go back and look at old literature or something, there's no, there's no belief in that quartz crystals heal anything at oh. all until like the 1970s so did that come along with like the guru and the whole after the hippie movement and yeah that yeah, new Gar- spiritualism kind Gerald of thing gardner kind of started the whole thing you know Damn and gardner. It, yeah and it kind of expanded off of him i know he was just trying to see women naked that's what i always say like you know yep, he, yeah, he wanted yep, to yep. he started really trying to see <laughs> naked ladies run around a fire <laughs> yeah and i say the same thing so yep. So while you were involved with the the crystals and the rocks and everything, um, were you ever convinced that they had had some sort of a health benefit for you or another? Oh person? yeah, 
Oh yeah. yeah. We had little trays out with little signs telling you what they would heal. So, and, and we're, I was convinced, you know, and my future ex-wife was totally convinced as well. I mean, she was the one that really helped convince me and yeah, I really did. So, you know, we were talking about other things I did. I start, my friends got a problem with this. Well, here, keep, take this rock. And when I come back in it, cause we were living on the road, we were living mm -hmm. in an RV. We spent like five years her and I doing that here, take this. And when I and keep it with you, and when I come back in three months, we'll see if it helps you. And no, it didn't, it didn't do anything. You know, I've been walking around with this thing in my pocket and I know I don't feel any better. And then, so I'm trying and, and I realize that's not a real scientific experiment. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's showing me that it's not working. It's right. Right. It, there so, was no evidence to support the claim that, that you right. were able to discern. Right. So I'm starting I'm starting to disbelieve it more and more and more. And then I had a really lucrative deal going on after a while. I was in Chicagoland. I got caught up with a circuit of psychics. And every weekend they would do a psychic fair somewhere around Chicagoland and they would rent the banquet hall. They'd all set up at their tables. There'd be anywhere from six to 12 of them that weekend. And they would let me set up a table over in the corner with all my crystals and all my jewelry. This is back in the 80s, um, mid 80s, mid late 80s. And it was it was very lucrative for me because I would go out and work two days, Saturday and Sunday, and I would make 750 bucks, which was which was pretty good money back then. Right. Yeah. Now, yeah. It was pretty lucrative. But I'm but I'm doing these experiments. I'm thinking that maybe what I'm doing is bad. I'm starting to feel guilty about telling people that rocks are going to heal them when I'm not sure that they are. So I'm really starting to, I'm starting to not sleep at night. And then um, one of the psychics came up to me one morning and he said, Hey, is there something that you have a whole bunch of, or that you're trying to get rid of? Because I can tell people that's what they need today. So you can move it for you. And that was oh. it. That was the last psychic fair I ever did. And that was that was the straw that broke the camel's back for me. Oh, wow. And at that point, never again did I ever tell anybody from that point on that a rock was going to help them. Wow. And so this was one of the uh, the people who was uh, selling other products there at the at the psychic. Fair. No, he wasn't selling products. He was selling tarot card readings. He was selling psychic psychic readings. So I, I don't know if that's a product. It, or is that yeah. a service or Maybe is that a service or, or is it just shoveling bullshit? So yeah. both. <laughs> probably it's that both. last one. <laughs> yeah. Listen, yeah. I will give you a tarot card reading. Granted, results may vary, but I can give you one. <laughs> I, can I am a fearless psychic after all. <laughs> I, I can too. I was I was told that I was actually a really good tarot card reader, but you just understand human psychology very well. I, I, and that's I, all it is. I think that's what it is. I think you just pick up a lot of cues because I found that if I got the person talking, the more they talked, the better my reading was. And it, <laughs> they didn't even have to talk about the subject of the reading. It was just talking. Mm. And you just pick up on subconscious cues about people's personalities or the frame of mind that they're in, you know? So, and I think that's what it was a lot. You know, you're reading body language, you're reading um the the way they're speaking the patterns of their speech right yeah and like and this comes with like i'm sure with the crystal healing too it's it's like you're already your brain's already primed that this is going to work like i'm going to get like i'm going for a tarot card reading the tarot's you know the woman's psychic the tarot helps you know so 
obviously, you know, they know something. Somebody goes in and they say amethyst opens like your third eye or whatever mumbo jumbo. And, you know, and they, they hold the rock and they feel like there's a power flowing through. It's just priming the brain. The brain is like, I expect a, I expect this. The brain already expects it because mm -hmm. it's just, you, you, you just conditioned it to feel power a certain of, way. Power of suggestion. Yeah, right? power of suggestion. Yeah. Right. You know, amethyst is actually one of those stones that does have a long history of doing something magical. <laughs> um, it was supposed to, if you kept it underneath your tongue, it would keep you from getting drunk. <laughs> now, I, oh. now I tested that. It definitely does not work. <laughs> But Listen, I mean, if I'm going to probably... drink, it kind of feeds the purpose. <laughs> but you might want to repeat that experiment several more times. You know, I did. I did it. Sure. I did. Yeah. Okay. Good. Well, I, did. Amethyst... I, I only stopped because I finally swallowed the amethyst. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Kelly, did you hear that amethyst helps increase Reiki power? Have you heard that in your shop? Well, or energy it, healing it probably it, it it probably does increase it by two by two or three times but <laughs> but if you time zero by two or three times you still get zero so right still not right helping. that's great now, i like something uh you mentioned when we were talking before um kelly about how um one of the ways you were thinking about some of these like wooey kind of beliefs were that you were keeping an open mind and that, you know, why shouldn't you investigate these things if you have an open mind? But then you kind of came to realize that's not really having an open mind, right? Right, right, right. Yeah. And it's really prevalent in the new age community it, um, that it's prevalent in a lot of things. Like um, one of my ex-wife was a ghost hunter for a while. And, and she, and she told me that they all had an open mind. They were, they were, you know, were open to the fact that they were going to prove ghosts were real. Right. And, and that's, that's what I was doing. I have an open mind because I believe these alternative things. Right. And then one day I realized that's not what an open mind is. Having an open mind is taking everything you believe and putting it back through the ringer to see if it really is logically viable and something you should be believing in. Right. And that's what I started to do. I started to actually open up my mind and question the things that I believed in. And that's when I really started to get myself out of woo. And for me, it was a lot harder for me to get out of that because I had then Christianity, because I was steeped in it for twice as long as I had been steeped in mm -hmm. Christianity. You know, I had been doing this for 20 years when I was just like five to 15 as a Christian. Right. So it, it was it, it, it was really difficult for me. And it's um, something that we don't often often think about as atheists, agnostics, atheists, that there are a lot of people who are steeped in this thing. And it's one of the really it's one of the fastest growing spiritual movements in the country today. And it's really it could be as harmful, just as harmful, if not more than Christianity or other religions, because it does deal with like this crystal woo where you can get hurt on a physical level because you have given up going to a doctor and getting real medical help because you're using a crystal to get better instead. So yeah. it's, it's something that more people need to be aware of. It's something that I think our community should rise up and work against more than we do. It's because mm -hmm. uh, I think it's more, it's not only 
as big of a problem as as other religions in in the sense of the of how what it does but it's also like i said the fastest growing movement in the united states today so it's becoming a bigger and bigger and bigger problem as time goes on and i think I didn't realize that it's it's a real problem that's why like i you know you know me car like this yeah. is the thing i'm always speaking out against you know rob is mm -hmm. always speaking out against because we see this going on and it's deeply bothersome um because people will ignore they they ruin their finances they can ruin their health there's a whole bunch of things that happen on that path but like i'm sure you'll agree with this kelly like just because you leave religion doesn't mean you leave the magical thinking behind that's mm -hmm. the harder part yeah. <laughs> right yeah exactly yeah and yeah, just when you just start disbelieving in God, it doesn't make you it doesn't make you a logical thinker, unfortunately. Yeah, that's a really good point. I like that. Do you have any kind of tips for people to kind of figure out if they're having an open mind, heavy air quotes, or if they are critically thinking? Like, how do we know if we're believing something just because we want to? And how can we figure out whether that's the case? Um, you know. Um, I wish I was more prepared for that question, honestly. Um, a really good, if you want to look it up, it's something that's really good is um, Carl Sagan's baloney detection kit. Ooh, yes. And, and you, if you just type that into Google, you will get it. And it's a list of things to, to of it, a list of five or six things, things to keep in mind when you look at a new premise to see if that premise is logically sound or if it's, it's true, something that you should believe in. So that's why I said I wish I was more prepared because I would just pop that up and go, well, here, one, two, three, here's six steps you can use. But one of them is falsibility, right? If you if it's mm -hmm. unfalsifiable, then maybe, you know, it's not something you should be believing in, right? Yeah, absolutely. So you would you would go through it systematically. It's not a gut feeling kind of thing. You I systematically I, evaluate. It as you get more involved in it and you get more experience, you do get gut feelings, right? Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. one of the things that I found in the, in the mineral world, if, if a new mineral comes on the market and it has like the name of a goddess or a type mm -hmm. of an angel or a wizard's name from uh, fiction, it's almost always some bullshit, right? Yeah. <laughs> so just as soon as I see the name, I'm pretty, pretty much sure. And often it's something that's already been around a lot and somebody just gave it a new cool name so they can sell it easier for more money right mm. merlinite is a good <laughs> example i i've seen people make inferences on like star constellations because it was named after like you know um a god or something mm -hmm. in fiction and stuff like that and they start saying that oh no that's real or you know it's just it's so weird <laughs> it's very strange with the way people their mental gymnastics are entertaining at least <laughs> angel, angel i see in the in the chat angelite is is a good example of one celestite is actually an old name um it was celestite comes in two colors orange and blue the colors of the sky and that's how celestite got its name so it sounds like it's one of those new new agey wooey names but it's actually an old one. Oh, interesting but it's just got recycled. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 very pop. Uh, there is 
blue celestite that comes from Madagascar and it's very popular in the in the woo crystal world so mm-hmm. so it sounds like there are some some triggers some keywords that that you would look for if it's you know yeah and like I said once you've got once you've been involved in it all for a while you do like some things will just throw a red flag up if I see something that's named after the seraphim seraphonite uh okay well what is that i gotta go look that up because i know that's not that's a bullshit name right off the bat right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so that's yeah you get used to that kind of thing especially Mm -hmm. when you never seen the name before the people people in the in the um newage crystal community just are constantly making up new names for things oh wow and do they attempt to to present these as something that they didn't just make up, or, or are they just like, oh look, this was just discovered? It's the you know whatever. It's usually something. It was just so. a oh look at this new discovery, you know this new great discovery of merlinite, and it's and it's oh and it'll help you do all this cool stuff. It'll help you actualize yourself, and you'll you'll get grounded, and it'll cure your earaches. Oh boy, you know so yeah. yeah. Okay, and so now you've mentioned um, in your studies of, you know, actual studies of, of geology and, and rocks and things, um, mm-hmm. you've, you've written some articles and, and done some actual, you know, reputable research. How could people kind of tell the difference between, you know, someone's made up BS about a new stone they invented versus actual, reliable, credible information? What, you what can't. can people do? You can't. That's the problem. Um, there's so much stuff out there on the internet that it's just, it's almost impossible. And I've even encountered people where, you know, they've come up and I, I used to do a lot of trade shows and someone would come up and say, Oh, wow. You know, this crystal has so much power, you know, and they'll look at me and hold it and go, you know, these things can heal you. Right. And I would, and I would say, no, no, they, they don't. Oh yes, they do. And I was like, no, there's never been any studies done that says that they can do that. And they'll say something like, yeah, all you got to do is go on the internet and you can learn all about it. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's, that's the problem is that there's so much misinformation out there and that people just believe it. Mostly, I think, because they want to believe it. I mean, that's why I did it. That's why I believe that it. it was something that I wanted to believe. So mm-hmm. it was easy. It, I think I mentioned this in my notes. I, I was indoctrinated into Christianity as a child. I indoctrinated myself into this, right? And because I wanted to believe it. And I, and I got, again, I got way more involved in this in my mind. I was more, so more convinced of this than I was of, of the religion, right? Mm-hmm. And, and it, was, it was harder for me to come out of it. You know, that's really interesting. I know a lot of times when people have come out of religion, they've mentioned that, you know, it was extremely difficult and it was almost like a devastating loss of something that they, you know, then went through some grief um, to have lost. Did you feel like that um, happened for you with leaving behind the the newage and the the crystals and everything as well? Not really. Um, mostly I mostly I was angry at myself. Because I because re- I came to that realization that I had fooled myself into believing this. And it was like, how could I have been so dumb to fall for this? Mm. Right. And I was I really was. I was angry with myself for the most part. But, um, you know, we we fall for stuff. We get we are convinced of things. And so, I you know, and and on top of it, I had to come home and, and live with myself every evening. 
So I, I reconciled with myself and moved on. Right. Mm-hmm. So, but that's well, all, all you can do really. Yeah. And I mean, I think that kind of goes back to what you were talking about earlier too. Oh my goodness. Helen's kitty is on camera and I am massively distracted. <laughs> Sorry. I, I had Aww. to, I was like, let's go see the people. <laughs> that okay. is the most adorable. All right. Cat. Go back. Sorry. I'm distraction over. Go back to the, go okay. back to the yes. interview. Sorry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah. So uh, where were we? Yeah. With, with critical thinking, like you were mentioning earlier, you know, you're actually trying to evaluate what you're believing to make sure you're believing it for good reasons, not just because you want to. And that sounds to me like that comes with, you know, you have to have at least uh, some amount of humility to be willing to recognize, oh, I might be wrong about this. I'm going to have to change my belief and go back and tell people that thing I thought last week, it turns out, that's not it i mean mm-hmm. is that something that you also it, kind of have to cultivate and yeah oh yeah prepare yourself for? yeah yeah and i yeah i mean it it takes a big person to realize that you were wrong and accept it right it, it really does not everybody is is able to do that mm-hmm. and um i think that's one of my better qualities is that i was able to do that so yeah i think so, so. i was able to yeah i yeah, it's it's sorry not... I kind of got lost there for a second, but yeah, it it, uh, it it really did help me to move on. So, yeah, well that yeah that's wonderful. I'm so glad you were able to do that. I feel like a lot of times, you know, people who are you know skeptical of these kinds of things, you know, are accused of being you know oh you're just condescending, oh you just think you're a know it all, but you know mm-hmm. actually um, to be able to to look at your own beliefs and try to figure out okay let me get excited if i can you know find something that i believe that's wrong because then i'll be able to get rid of a wrong belief and and believe more things that are right, right. i mean that that requires you to be you know just as critical of of yourself as you are of anybody else it's not necessarily being condescending I, right i found when when i would first when i came to these realizations at first and I would talk to people I would often be confrontational like we sometimes are when we first cross over that line and like just put evidence of what of of what these people were believing right in their face showing them that this Mm -hmm. is not real you know there's been a few studies that I've shown them this is all what you believe in is not real and and their whole idea is well you just don't understand it you just don't get it you've just Mm -hmm. never experienced any of this and it's like they, when you try to tell them, yeah, I lived this for 20 years, they just refuse to believe mm-hmm. it. There's no, it's just like the, you weren't a true Christian kind of thing. You weren't a true new ager then mm-hmm. if you didn't get it, you know? Oh man, it's that's really the new weird. true Scotsman. It's, it's, it really is. It's, yeah, it's, it's really weird. And it really is just like recovering from any other religion. And it, that's why I try to talk about it more because like you said, you didn't realize, right? Mm-hmm. There, it is so prevalent out there today, and so many people don't see it, and we really need to be talking about it more. So, and it folds over into like the alternative medicine part mm-hmm. of it too, which yes. is yes. like you know you start you know you and I have talked about this, Kelly, about people thinking that marijuana will cure anything, or your kid has ADD. Let's get them some CBD oil, and I'm like, yo, <laughs> yo that's not going to work. Yeah. <laughs> like, kid has a chemical imbalance. CBD is yeah. probably not going to do it for him, you know, because they hear medicine and um, they, and big pharma and stuff like that. But it's like, 
also i'm like do you think charlatans the people that are peddling bullshit don't want to make money yeah right yeah yeah, i know i always say that to people too you know (laughs) oh you're you're worried about big pharma making money yet you're going to big herbal right you're going to buy these herbal supplements and they're making billions of dollars a year too you know i don't get they don't understand that yeah, it's all, it's even the same people in a lot of instances that are selling the herbal supplements, right? Yeah, and it's that same kind of, you know, flawed logic that, you know, it might sound good on its surface to be able to say, well, the big pharmaceutical companies are problematic in these six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 ways. Therefore, this other completely untested, unknown alternative must be good. Well, we haven't established that. Yeah. You know, you've established that one thing is problematic. You haven't established that your alternative is not also problematic. But- well, well I, well, I got this condition and Big Pharma hasn't given me a pill yet that can fix it. So they can't be any good. You know, there's just, there's that yeah. kind of an attitude too. Yeah. And that's where I think a lot of our, our animosity towards, it, towards mm-hmm. Big Pharma comes from is that they're not helping me. You know, I've been to, I've cycled through six pills and none of them work. So I've had that problem myself. I have, I have weird reactions to medications. I'm like the one in 20 million people. So I have a uh, high blood pressure and I can't do anything about it because all the medications either do nothing or they raise my blood pressure. Right. So it, yeah, it's kind of weird. Now I don't, I'm not mad at big pharma about it. Right. It, it, as I understand, it's my, it's my personal physiology, right. It's not their fault. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. and, it, and it gets, but it gets scary because, like, I was listening to a podcast where um, parents were giving their children enemas to cure autism. Oh, wow. and it got really severe where they stripped the li- Some kids were there; they were stripping mm-hmm. the lining of their bowels, and mm-hmm. it was coming out, and it looked like worms. And they thought that was like the something in their system that was being the bad toxins, out, coming bad toxins, and stuff like that, and. Like it's got sick, a couple died <laughs> because wow. guess what, people? <laughs> Enemas yeah, that's, that's, don't cure yeah. autism. And I don't think it's something that needs to be cured. But th- th- all these weird, you get these ideas, especially with mental illness and mm-hmm. people that are neurodivergent, that there's something wrong with you or wrong with your child. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have, if it's not perfect, if it's not the way, that you want it. And it's the same thing where you're saying with Kelly, with big pharma or having to do the work, mm-hmm. you know, to take care mm-hmm. of your kid because your kid may be neurodivergent and need some help. Instead of doing the work, you're like, oh, I'm going to give them enemas and hope that the autism goes away. No. You know, yeah. and that, but that's the, that's the dangerous side of alternative medicine and these woo-woo communities, because you, mm-hmm. if you can believe in like crystals cure, like, you know, stomach ailments, you know, what's, it's not a sh- too far of a turn where you're doing what I just described. And it's, it's very scary. <laughs> that yeah. I saw something scary once on Facebook years ago, some 12 years ago that made me actively go out in public and start campaigning against this. And it was a, a woman had posted in a Facebook group, what crystal would be good for my daughter's diabetes? Oh, oh. wow. Yeah. So I, I, seeing that I was just appalled as anybody would be, 
you know, and um, that's when I decided I have to, I have to start saying something. I have to go out there in public and start fighting against this because nobody else is doing it. Nobody else is standing up to this. And I, it's been really heartening to see that a lot of people in this business and the mineral specimen business are, are now standing up and, and kicking back against this because it's also, it's not only is dangerous in, in the ways we've discussed, you know, that mm-hmm. one is a religion being indoctrinated into a religious idea to the uh, um, pos- possible physical problems because of the alternative medicine thing. But it's also hurting the mineral specimen business. Mm-hmm. And you wouldn't think because sales go skyrocketing, right? But they only buy certain things. They only hardly ever spend more than 20 bucks. And um, I, I sell specimens. I have specimens in my store up to $5,000. And they wouldn't even, like, they might look at it, but they would never, ever buy anything like that, you know? So um, if you start catering to that business, the people who would, who would buy $5,000 specimens from you, they won't buy them anymore, right? Mm-hmm. They just don't, they don't trust you anymore. You're now part of that group. So you've got it. You've really got to stay away from it. And what, but what has happened is that a lot of the people who own rock shops, rock shops have steered away from selling fine mineral specimens because it's easier to sell a bunch of $10 rocks. So you go into a rock shop in Chicago, you'll go into one in Minot, Nebraska, you'll go into one in LA, and all three of them look exactly the same with the exact same rocks in it, right? And that's, that's really been hurting our business as a whole. That's one of the things, there's other reasons, but that's one of the major reasons. Yeah. Okay, so um, completely, you know, ignorant question on my part. What kinds of things would you normally be selling rocks for you know not the the newage you know energy crystal business but like who are the customers um that you would be normally selling the same kind of this they're collectors the same kind of people Mm. that might collect stamps or coins or butterflies right it's just another type of collector collecting something that's aesthetic and pretty so you just a lot of people are just interested in it um a lot of people really start getting into the geology of it, the science behind it. And it's a really cool field of science because, you know, like I've, I've said, I don't have a degree in geology. People consider me a geologist. Um, there was a guy who was the curator of the Mineral Connect collection at the Smithsonian. His name was Paul DeSottles, never had a degree. Um, one of the world's foremost gemologists, Johnson Kankas, never had a degree. So people, you can, you can be recognized in this science because of your knowledge, not because of your degree. And I think that's really cool in this science because it's not, it it happens all the time with people. That is really cool. And we have an excellent question from the chat that I was just wondering about myself. Um, Some of us are wondering, would you show us a couple of your favorite rocks and tell us a little bit about them? Um, yeah, I, I, uh, this is, this is just a bunch of rocks. It's not my personal collection, although there are a few of my collection here. Um, I, a few years ago, my collection was kind of squeezing me out of the house. So I decided I had to do something and and narrow it down. And a lot of my collection ended up in the store. Most of it's gone now, honestly, but, um, there is a rare formation that crystals, sometimes take and it's called the scepter formation 
and I started collecting scepter crystals only for a couple of reasons. Number one, they're rare, so it was hard to get them. And number two, they tend to be smaller. So the collection got to be smaller. Um, so I have a really nice cluster of some right here. Oh, cool. Cool. Yeah, isn't that cool? The the shape they make with the with the larger tip. And and yes, I have heard all the penis jokes. <laughs> Just about I, tip, right? I was behaving, so I get a I get a gold star. Couldn't <laughs> <laughs> resist. I don't know how good this one will show up, but there's a one with an amethyst tip. Oh yeah. Yeah, where I made the same little cool tip, cool, funny tip. Yeah. Okay. And so, you know, science question, what produces that kind of shape? If you it's can uh, it's that. two different growth stages. Oh. See, now, now you see why I've heard all the penis jokes. Mm -hmm. but <laughs> yeah, just a little. <laughs> Listen, you can't help that nature is going to make penises out of stone. Yeah, so, you know, it's know, not your you fault. Know, it's not, honestly. <laughs> The first five or six I ever saw looked more like mushrooms. And I thought, wow, that's really cool. Little rock mushrooms, you know? And then as I started collecting them and I started realizing, you know, these don't all look like mushrooms at all. You know? And then my friend started making jokes and I just kept going with it. So <laughs> and they just got used to it. Right. But my whole, my original idea was that I was going to get a smaller collection by doing this. And now I have almost 500 of them. So <laughs> I so love what, that. What is um the most okay? I'm I'm gonna like pick a stone and what is a odd fact about that stone that people wouldn't normally know about? Kyanite. Like some, okay. Kyanite, and it's really popular in the metaphysical community because you can get a, a crystal for a buck or two, right? Maybe mm. three dollars. And there's a thing called the Mohs hardness scale, it goes from one to ten. And all minerals are, are on that scale, somewhere between one and 10 in hardness. But kyanite, depending on which plane, because it's got three planes, right? Depending on which plane you test, it has three different hardnesses. It's the only mineral that does that. So that's a cool mm, thing. That's cool. That's yeah. really cool. Okay. Um, I, some I minerals will stuff. glow in a black, <laughs> some minerals glow in a black light. Oh. That's cool. What causes that? Um, it's uh, it it's them uh, throwing off an ion from the light from the light energy. That's really interesting. You know, I never took geology in school, and I'm feeling like I missed out now. Yeah, you should have. No, there's still it's time like, to go back and learn, right? Yeah, that, well, see, I was like, I was in my 30s when I went back and took geology classes. I got a degree in English. I studied English, so I would have something to fall back on in case I couldn't make it as a short order cook. <laughs> it's always um, good to have a backup plan. So um, somebody is, because um, since we're on this topic, um, somebody was asking, could you tell us any about any minerals that may have real medicinal value to medical science um, versus like anything that's woo woo? Sure, sure. Yeah. Um, uranium, right? We do use... Uh, we do use radiation treatment for cancer, right? Um, lithium, which is really a, uh, an element, not a mineral, but it does occur in nature and it's used with uh, people who are bipolar, right? 
I don't know if they still do. Do they still use lithium? Yeah, based my, my, one of my good friends bipolar? is bipolar and they're on lithium. Yeah, yeah. I, one of my friends was a long time ago, but I haven't had a bipolar friend in a long time. So um, that's another example. Um, all the, all the um, not the vitamins, but the minerals that you need, all of those are minerals. They're all rocks, it's, right? So uh, you need all of that stuff to, be a, to make your body function healthily. So there are, there are a lot of minerals that are very useful for health. It's just that they don't have some, um, there are, quick question, uh, quick answer. There are over 300 minerals that glow in a black light. So I can't really answer that one for you. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, right. That's a tough one to answer. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, oh. that is a lot. <laughs> like, um, I think I've maybe, seen those in like, you know, um, like uh, psychedelic movies and stuff like that of like right. rocks glowing in like a stoner's bedroom you or something. Maybe, <laughs> you may be thinking of Uperlites though. They kind of got a, became a fad a couple of years ago. Uh, they were all over the internet. Um, I, that was my 15 minutes, my first 15 minutes of fame was that I was, I was the one who uh, analyzed the rocks to find out what minerals were in it and what was causing them to glow in the black light. And I got, I was in a documentary. I was on like five new shows. I got to be on TV in Japan. It was really cool. That is, oh, wow. Yeah. I see, I've seen a couple of your appearances, Kelly, since you shared them with me. Yeah. It's very cool. <laughs> I want to see the one in Japan. I, I need this in my life. I wish I had a link to that one. And it was on YouTube for a long time and it disappeared. And I was, my voice was dubbed. So I was speaking in Japanese and I had this oh, my goodness. like sumo wrestler sounding voice. And while me and my kids were watching it, all we could do was laugh from the beginning to the end. Every time that I spoke, it was pretty funny. I love that. I need you to find that. If you find yeah. it and send me the link. I, I would love it. to find a copy of that. I really would. I'm going to search for it now in Japanese and I'll tell you if I find it. Cool. <laughs> and I feel like we're in the Q&A session now. So I'm just going to keep going with questions if that's cool, cool. with you. Yeah, yeah. that's fine. Okay, so um, somebody else was asking earlier about essential oils, and are those pseudoscience, like the the crystals and everything? Well, see the see the best thing is is like we were just talking about how some minerals actually do have healing properties, right? Mm -hmm. And that that the best con is one that's partially true, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, are there some essential oils that have scents that make you relax? Yes. They've actually proven that. Um, I think li lilac is one that does that. I think jasmine is another one. So there are some scents that will help you relax. Now, are any of those things going to help cure anything? No. Lavender. There you go. Thank you. Thank you very much. Lavender. Um, are any of those things going to cure anything? No. Is relaxing going to help you? Yes. So um, I don't know how to answer that. Are they are are they helpful? Kinda, but they don't cure anything. Like tea tree uh, oil helps with like scalp issues and skin issues and stuff like that. You know, right, um, right. it's used as medicinal. You know, because it's, the, it's put right. into skincare and hair care. You know, but um, is it? But like you know, those are those are things that have proved have they've tested in science 
mm-hmm. to show that it's beneficial. Yeah, and no, like I'm... making your hair softer is not the same thing as you know yeah. curing your diabetes, for example. Right, right, right. It's a different level um, of claim. I see somebody mentioned CBD oils too, and I'm gonna. I don't know if I should say this, but it's pretty well known where I live at. I was very instrumental in helping marijuana, medical marijuana get legal in the state of Michigan. Um, so I'm very, I was very up on, on the medical effects of it. Um, I, cause I had to answer questions all the time when I was going to meetings. And um, I personally think CBD oils is probably the biggest fraud being perpetuated in the pseudo medical world today. So I, um, I don't think CBD does anything for people except empty their pockets for money. Interesting, good to know. So okay. that's, that's just my opinion. I, I, there hasn't been any, there has not been any research done yet that has proven that they actually have any benefit. There has been a lot of research that shows that they might have some benefit, but there hasn't been anything conclusive yet. And um, I, I noticed you're saying, you mentioned that uh, celebrities are touting them. No, they're not. Um, people are stealing the images and the names of celebrities and touting them. It's been a big problem. Um, uh, Cheech and Chong in particular have been shown in a lot of these things and they're trying to find these people because they are not endorsing these products. People are using their name and their images. Wow, that's, that's good to know. Well, and that's a really good distinction that you're making there between saying there have been some studies that show that they could potentially have some benefit. And that is not the same thing as these are medically proven cures for whatever ails you. Right. And I've seen a lot of people don't understand the difference. It's really weird because I've had people like just argue with me that it cures, it cures cancer. Well, there's never been a study that says it cures cancer. Does it alleviate some of the symptoms? Yes. Right. Nausea, for instance, if you're going through chemo, right. Um, one of the reasons I help champion it is that I have pancreatitis and I have really bad nausea and it does help me with my nausea. So that's why I wanted to make it legal because it I really did help me. Um, so, uh, I forgot, I got lost where I was at. No, but like, I'll wait for you to catch up, but like, um, I have chronic nerve pain. I'm on medical marijuana. It doesn't cure the nerve pain. All it does is brings my anxiety and um, stress levels down, so it makes the pain bearable. So if I'm if I'm stressed out and I have high anxiety because of pain, my pain can go up to a nine. Smoke a little weed, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, you know, and it goes down to a four. I'm still in pain, but it's bearable. I can I can go about my day, you know. I can sleep at night, you know, and because right. the marijuana is not curing the pain, it's just making it tolerable so I, I can function. <laughs> yeah, I always say it doesn't get rid of the pain; it just makes it so I don't care about it as much anymore. Right, exactly. Yeah, I'm like, okay, I'm fine. Okay, I'm like, right, I'm right. like, all right, now now I want to like eat chips and listen to Pink Floyd, you know. Okay, <laughs> right. Yeah. So but, some of these, it sounds like it's, it's a matter of, of degrees. The claims that are being made are, are wildly exaggerating what mm-hmm. it would be reasonable to, to expect. Right. Right. And yeah. that's, that, that's what makes a good lie, right? Is that part of it is true so that you can build off the true part. 
that's where um going back to the woo thing one of the things that helped me really immerse myself when it in it was there was a couple of books from the late 80s early 90s uh the dancing woo, woo lee masters and the Tao of physics and they both took quantum physics and tied them into eastern mystical ideals and so like, hey, check it out. These Taoists had it right when they said this, because now in quantum physics, we're finding the same. And it was like, just like Muslims compare the Quran to some things that we know today, astronomically. See, look at it predicted that the that this was going to happen. Right. And um, it's it just trying to find find something that fits, basically. But um, yeah, it, it uh, again, I got lost. I'm sorry. <laughs> No, you're good. No, you were. I think that was that was basically. Oh yeah, the dancing Wooly masters. Because yeah. there was this. Uh, they they had real quantum physics in it, so you were what you were reading real science, right? And and they were kind of tying it into this wooey thing. That's what we still. That's where even the crystal healing comes from. This this wooey um, quantum energy that that came out. A lot, a lot of the concepts came out of those two books, and that's one of the ways I got caught into it was wow look at it's science yeah well and isn't that one of the main ways yeah that they get you with the pseudosciences they do link you to a real study or they have some real facts but then they're just playing a little fast and loose with them and all of a sudden we're over here making a conclusion that is not warranted by those facts or that study but they wave their hands a little bit and make you miss that that key step right like Mm -hmm. i i I remember reading a book a few years ago before I was still in my, when I was still in my magical thinking phase, it was like um, quantum physics in the Akashic field. It was like Deepak Chopra and actual physicists wrote this book and it was making, it was just making inferences that like, you know, um, the Akashic field was related to quantum, the quantum and all this woo woo stuff. And like, that's what and like and it's also popular in the pagan community this whole thing about quantum physics and yeah, that's how yeah, magic yeah. works it's it's wild and you right, know right. and you get drawn in because it's like oh it's science based like scientists are studying this stuff and it's really just making inferences and like you know um doing god of the gap shit <laughs> it was so easy for me to here i am reading this really cool spiritual eastern stuff and then it gets compared to quantum quantum science and they draw these correlations. So now I'm thinking it's science. And then I find a whole nother group of people who are kind of like believing in this whole quantum energy that's running everything. And they throw great parties. It was really hard for me not to get sucked into it. You know, <laughs> like you, like you start talking about quantum science and you smoke a little bit of weed and, you know, you're hanging out with a bunch of like, you know, mystics, it's going to take you on this really weird journey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like Kelly and I've both been there. We've been on that path. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm we, glad we both got off of it. Too, right. Exactly. Yeah. It was, it really was leading me down a path where I felt like I was hurting other people. I really do. Yeah. And, you know, because I was out there selling crystals to people to make them better because, because I really believed it. And that that's one of the big problems in that movement today is that everybody out there who's selling crystals, they're not all out there trying to rip you off. Most of them, probably 90, 90% of them honestly believe that the crystal they are selling you is going to cure you. They honestly believe it because they were convinced by somebody else. And that's one of the big problems that when you try to confront it as a fraudulent thing, 
the people who are doing this fraudulent thing don't think it's fraudulent. They really, really honestly, with all their hearts, believe it to be true. So it's really hard to fight against. Yeah, that's a really good point, too, because, you know, if we're out here trying to stop people from peddling, you know, made up cures and, and things like that. I mean, it matters if we're showing up at their conventions and telling everyone you're bad people, you're you're all a bunch of charlatans and scammers. And if that's not someone's intention, they're they're not going to be convinced that they need to stop doing it. They're going to think we don't know what we're talking about. Right? So how how would you say as someone that did used to um, sell crystals and, and everything like that and really were genuine about it, what do you think is a good way to engage with someone about this issue if they really, you know, believe in what they're doing? Well, I, I still do sell rocks. So, and I do have, I do have people come into my store all the time that still believe in this. We have a sign that uh, there's three copies of it at different places around the store. And it says our crystals have no healing powers whatsoever. If you are healed and you bring us back a note from a doctor telling us the crystal healed, healed you, we will give you your money back. So <laughs> that's one way we help fight it. But the other thing, I, I, I often have talks with them and I don't want to make them mad, but I want to try to educate them because I still want to, I still want to make money. I still got to pay my bills. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'll usually talk about the energy. I'll, I'll, I'll approach it from that angle. Uh, when you talk about energy, what is it that you mean? Well, the crystal seems like it's five, you know, you can feel this vibration from it. Well, I don't understand what you mean by that, but let's go back to the word energy. You know, if you define energy, it's the capacity to do work and anything that does work, we can measure the amount of work it does. So this energy that you're talking of coming from the crystal, what work is it doing and how can we measure it? Right. And if I approach it in that way and get them to think about an answer and act, basically I just act like I'm stupid and I'm trying to get them to explain the concept to me, a lot of them find out that they can't do it. And that, that to me is a big win. And it mm. makes it, I even had one woman get, got home and called me back at the store one day and asked me more questions. You know, I was thinking about everything you said when I was driving home and that was a big, huge win for me. Oh, so man. Because that's what I just want people to start thinking about what they're saying, you know, and a lot of people just repeat the things that they said without thinking about it. Well, we see it in religion, too. Right. I'm just going to repeat this thing. So, um, yeah, you just you, you make them try to define what it is they're, that they're talking about. And when they realize that they can't define it, it makes them start wondering about the whole house of cards that they've built. Right. That's great. So you, you let them come to the conclusion. You're not beating them over the head with it. Right, right. I, like I said, I used to try to do that. And, it, and usually what I would find when I when here, here's the evidence, boom, it's in your face. What they would tend to do is dig in their heels. Right. And that's mm -hmm. exactly the opposite of what I was trying to do. Yeah, that, that that's why I often effect. talk. I often talk about uh, we need to stop being angry atheists for the same reason because when we're angry atheists, we're making the theists dig in their heels even more, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're making angry theists. <laughs> yes, right, right. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. And like, like when you were on Truth Wanted last week. Yes, I did watch. <laughs> when you, I don't remember you're talking to, but somebody, somebody's talking about energy, and you, all you asked was, well, what is energy? Like, what are you 
trying to describe, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I remember it kind of stumped him. And then he went through like this, like dippity <laughs> of what energy is, you know, and it, it's just, it's a very simple question, but it, it forces someone to really think about what they actually mean. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> you throw that word around like energy and it, it, it means like, you know, they haven't really thought, really, really thought about like, what do I actually mean by that word? <laughs> a lot of them, the first thing they'll say is, well, it's like a vibration. Yeah. Right. And then, then you have to ask them, well, what do you mean by that? I mean, because I don't see it vibrating. I don't feel it vibrating. What do, are you sure the vibration is the right word? And then they'll start thinking, well, no, that's not the right word either. Right. And it really, it really does help to make them start thinking about what it is they're saying. I don't know how many people I've actually gotten out of woo, maybe, maybe nobody, but at least I've gotten people to start thinking about it. Well, that seems like a pretty big win in and of itself. Mm -hmm. So good for you for actually, you know, taking the time and putting in the effort to do that. And thank you for taking the time and putting in the effort to join us here this evening as well. And a lot of fun. I did too. Yeah. I'm so glad you came. This is really interesting. I don't think we've actually had a talk about geology before on here that I recall. No, I don't think in the what two years I've been doing this, year and a half I've been doing this. I don't I think this is the first talk about geology. So this was great. So, you know, rock on. We're, rock we're bringing Tom back. I see you there. <laughs> Thank you so much, Gail. And I want to say a few years ago, um, I went through the RFR training and I learned so much from you too. So I'm glad I could share some, some of my knowledge back with you. Thank you so much. I love that. Yes. Thank you. You're, you're always welcome here. <laughs> Recovering from Religion is a nonprofit organization whose mission it is to provide hope, healing, and support to those struggling with issues of doubt and non-belief. Hope, Healing, and Support is waiting for you on our website, recoveringfromreligion.org. There you can speak or chat with a trained agent who will work with you through your struggles and doubts or to help find resources that may work for you. You can also find local Recovering From Religion support groups in your area for the long-term recovery work. Resources specifically curated for those struggling with doubts, disbelief, and trauma can also be found on the RFR website. To connect with a secular therapist in your area, go to seculartherapy.org and create an account. If you'd like to support the work that RFR does, you can donate or sign up as a volunteer on the Recovering From Religion website. It's also a big help subscribing to the RFR YouTube channel, our blog, or following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Questions, comments, and suggestions can be emailed to us at rfrx at recoveringfromreligion.org. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you'll be with us next time on the Recovering from Religion podcast.